In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Tonight we enter into the mystery of Christmas. We read from the Gospel of St. Luke. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. It's interesting that the birth of our Lord takes place during this attempt to account for the population of the entire known world. The whole world should be enrolled. This census was an attempt to get a sense of how many people there were in the Roman Empire. And it's fitting because our Lord Jesus Christ is among these people coming to be enrolled. And our Lord is their Savior, the Savior of the entire world, is present in a hidden way. The Savior of the world is present among all these people coming to be enrolled in this attempt by the political authorities to count, to count the number of people. And so our Lord is there as part of this event, being carried by Our Lady in her womb, and later he'll be born during this census process. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for coming into the world today on Christmas. Thank you for coming as our Savior. Thank you for coming to save the whole world, not just me and my family and my friends, those who I like or those who are close to me. You are truly the Savior of the whole world. And Joseph, too, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. She gave birth to her firstborn son. These are the lines that inspire us today and have inspired Christians for generations and centuries and now even millennia to celebrate Christmas. Thank you, Lord, for living that night. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Joseph, for living through that night. Since then, Countless souls have felt the warmth of Bethlehem, have looked at that tender scene, our Lord Jesus born in a stable, our Lord Jesus lied to sleep in a manger on some hay, our Lord Jesus surrounded perhaps still by some farm animals in that stable. We imagine the ox, we imagine the donkey, and we imagine some of the sheep coming in with the shepherds. Our Lord Jesus, surrounded by the love of his mother who embraces him in her arms and the watchful care of his father, St. Joseph, his father on earth, St. Joseph. 
We've looked at that scene and been inspired by it and been comforted by it. It's a scene of great tenderness and comfort and mercy. So many times on Christmas cards, in our crest scenes, in the Mass when we read this passage and hear it preached about, this scene has entered our eyes and our hearts again and again, year after year, generation after generation. And it's all because it was real, because this really happened, because our Lord lived this, and because Mary lived through this, and St. Joseph lived through this scene. They were there in Bethlehem. They were there for the birth of Jesus, the birth of the Son of God. And in our prayer, we want to be there too. We want to dwell there. We don't want to just hurry past this scene to the next party or the next meal or the next distraction of our holiday season. We want to live Christmas, Christmas, Christ Mass, the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we pause at the stable and we enter into the stable. We enter into the scene and we get close to the manger. And as St. Josemaria would say, we can pick, we can pick a person to be in that scene. And perhaps if you're a little bit like me, at the end of a long semester, perhaps a long year, you're a little bit tired and hectic Advent, hectic holiday season. Perhaps you're tempted not even to be a person, but just to be one of the animals, right? Just to be the ox who doesn't even have to think, right? Just looks and chews, sleeps, <laughs> does ox-like things. But he's present, but he's there. But Lord, we're even more daring. We don't want to just be the ox or the donkey. We want to be there with our heart, and we want to be there with our mind and our soul working. And perhaps to be so daring as to be you, Jesus, as to take your place as the child in that scene. What lessons do we learn from Christ as child? If we enter into his heart and his mind as he lays there, what is that experience like? What is he teaching us from the manger? Well, he's teaching us that it's okay to be dependent. It's okay to depend on others. He's teaching us that we have to learn how to trust in the care of others. Above all, in the care of God. We have to learn how to trust in God's providence. Lord Jesus, you're teaching us to be sincere. A child doesn't hide its problems. If a child is hungry, it cries. If a child is cold, it cries. If a child is tired, it cries. And its needs are met by its loving mother or its loving father. But it makes those needs known. It doesn't, it's not complicated. It's not hiding things. It's sincere and trusting. And a child is helpless and, and totally abandoned to the care of those watching over it. The child is totally trusting. It has no reasons not to trust. It has no reason not to trust its parents. Lord Jesus, we know this is the case with us too. As children of God, we have no good reason not to trust God, who is our Father, who's shown us how much He loves us. We have no good reason not to trust God. And yet at times, we end up trusting God because there's no other option. It's like Princess Leia says to Obi-Wan, your only hope, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, perhaps in life, 
we try to rely on ourselves, we try not to be children, and then we come up against a wall in a situation where we have to turn to God. Because there's no other option, there's nothing we can do except that. And this is the situation of our Lord Jesus. He has both the trust of not having any reason not to trust because he's a child, but he also has the trust of not having any other option. He can't take care of himself. He's a helpless infant. Jesus, you are the way and the truth and the life. The way and the truth and the life. And sometimes we think of imitation of our Lord and we think of our Lord as mature. And this is true. We have to imitate our Lord as a grown man when he says, take up your cross daily and follow me. He says, go and teach all nations. These are things that we have to take responsibility for, that we have to be mature and adult to undertake. But our Lord also explicitly tells us to imitate him in his childhood. He tells us to become as children. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to imitate our Lord's own childhood. It's an invitation to live a spiritual infancy, a spiritual childhood. Truly I say to you, unless you turn to become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And our Lord established the kingdom of heaven precisely himself by turning and becoming a child. And this is God, right? God who did this for us. The creator of the universe, most powerful, most wise, most responsible, most mature, most independent being that there is, reality itself, totally uncaused and therefore independent in his divine nature. And he turned and became a child tonight, today, for us. And he tells us to do the same, turn and become his children, imitate me in my childhood, in my infancy. Lord, help me to see where can I grow and becoming more dependent on you and less dependent on myself, more trusting in you, less trusting in myself, more sincere, less complicated with my petitions to you. As a child just cries out and has its needs met, so too, Lord, I just want to cry out to you in my prayer and have my prayers answered, have my needs met. Recently, I came across an ad for something called Masterclass. It's a subscription for online classes. And the idea is that they're taught by celebrities who are experts in their field. And so it was like, let Mariah Carey teach you how to sing, right? Or use your voice as an instrument, I think it said. Or let Malcolm Gladwell teach you how to write. Or let John Mayer teach you how to play guitar. And if you subscribe, right, you get access to all of these master classes. By the way, I just recently learned that Mariah Carey's famous Christmas carol, All I Want for Christmas is You, is actually a very subtle insult to the person that she's singing to. She starts the song by saying, I don't want a lot for Christmas. And then eventually says, all I want for Christmas is you. 
which is basically saying that you, the person she's singing to, is not a lot. And so all I want for Christmas is you, but I don't want that much for Christmas. So basically, you're not that much. In any event, the Gospels are like a masterclass. Jesus teaches us how to live, how to be human, and also how to be divine. And he teaches us this not just in his public life, not just in his passion and death, but also in the infancy narrative. Unless you turn to become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He who has seen me has seen the Father. And we see our Lord, we see Jesus, not just in his public life and in his passion. We see our Lord in the arms of his mother. We see our Lord in the crib where he's so trusting and he's so docile and he's so humble and he's so helpless. Just a child, just an infant. And this is God. He who has seen me has seen the Father. He who has seen me sees God. The Christmas prefaces are wonderful for our prayer. The first preface, very beautiful. In the mystery of the Word made flesh, a new light of your glory has shone upon the eyes of our mind, so that as we recognize in him God made visible, we may be caught up through him in love of things invisible. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. As we recognize in him God made visible, we may be caught up through him in love of things invisible. And so we see the child and and we believe that he's God. We see the visible, and through the visible, we believe and therefore see and can love things invisible, God. And the child, being loved, teaches us that God is love. We know that God is love because St. John writes it in his epistle, and because we see Jesus on the cross loving us in that way. But if God is going to be love, he also needs to be loved. And this is true of the Trinity, right? That God the Father can't be Father unless he's generating the Son. And God the Son can't be Son unless he's generated by the Father. And the Holy Spirit can't exist at all unless it is the love between the Father and the Son. And so for God to be love, Deus Caritas Est, God also needs to be loved. God needs to be the object of love. He needs to be cared for. He needs to be desired. He needs to be served. And this we see in the child, that in order to love, Jesus has to be loved. And the same is true for us, that in order to love God, we need to be loved by God. We need to let God love us. And this is all the child is doing. This is all any infant does. It has needs, and those needs are met. It makes those needs known, and those needs are met. It's just there. And because it's so helpless, it's taken care of by those who love him. And in this, as in everything else, Jesus is redeeming the world. 
Jesus redeems the world in Nazareth as a worker. Jesus redeems the world on the cross, of course, in a very special and particular and effective way on the cross and in the, in the resurrection. But he's also redeeming the world from the cradle, from the crib. And there he teaches us these super important lessons to let ourselves be loved, to be okay being dependent on others, to trust God, to have no reasons not to trust God, to have no other option but to trust, and to love Our Lady, right? To be especially dependent and close to Our Lady. Behold your mother. When we see Our Lady mothering our Lord, we see Our Lady's maternal care for our Lord in Christmas. We see, by extension, her love for us, her maternal care for us. The second preface, though invisible in his own divine nature, he has appeared visibly in ours. And begotten before all ages, he has begun to exist in time. So that raising up in himself all that was cast down, he might restore unity to all creation and call straying humanity back to the heavenly kingdom. And Jesus is incarnate so that he might redeem us. God became man so that man could become God. God became one of us so that we could become, so to speak, one with him or one of him. And this is another lesson we learn from the child, to expand our heart. Who asks for the moon? St. Josemaria says. And who asks God for the moon? Well, it's a child. And our childlike trust, we should ask God not just for small things or not just for our immediate needs. We should ask God for big things. We should ask God for big favors. We should ask God for the moon. Lord, make me a saint. Lord, this person who has these problems that seem so intractable, Lord, help them. Help them through this. Help them bear it or solve those problems for them. Lord, our world, so torn by violence and hatred, ignorance, so many problems. Lord, you're the Savior of the world. We ask you to alleviate the world's sufferings, to alleviate the sufferings of nations and peoples, migrants and countries torn by war. Lord, the church, with her divisions and misunderstandings. Lord, heal the church. Help us to be truly at peace with one another and united in love and devotion, service to you. Big problems. A child asks for the moon. A child has unlimited confidence in his father and his mother. And so we too, we should ask for big things for ourselves, for others, for the church, for the world. St. Faustina says that this is a sign of trust in God and that Jesus appreciates it. Jesus appreciates it when people ask him for big favors, big intentions, not just small things or the things that are most pressing to them. And this is what Jesus is asking for. In the incarnation from the cross, he asks and wins the salvation of the world. What a big intention that all may be saved. Obviously, that also depends on our correspondence, but that's what he's asking for. That's what he's praying for on the cross, but also from the crib. He extends his arms out 
to embrace all of humanity from the crib as a child. Lord Jesus, help me to grow in trust in you. My faith tells me, Lord, that you can solve all my problems and you want to help me to solve all of my problems. But perhaps the trick there, Lord, is that the biggest problem that I need to solve is trusting you. That if I solve the problem of trusting you more, trusting you more simply, trusting you more in a childlike way, with no reasons to distrust you, or with no other option but to trust you in my helplessness, well, then I would unlock the, the solution to the other problems. Whatever you ask for in my name, Jesus says, my Father will give to you. Whatever we ask for in his name, right, with a certain union with his filiation, a union with his own unlimited trust in the Father's plan, in the Father's goodness, in the Father's power. Well, and that's when we'll see the solutions to our other problems. It's kind of like a puzzle, right? If you're working on the Rubik's Cube, unless you know the cheat code. If you're working on a Rubik's Cube or some other puzzle, many times the trick of the puzzle is figuring out a sequence, right? Well, I have to do this first so that then I could do this. Or if I if we get the solution to this level or this piece of the puzzle, well, then these other levels are unlocked or these other solutions become clear. And that's the way I think it works in our spiritual life, in our life with God, that many times God is really trying to help us to unlock the problem of trusting him more, trusting him unreservedly, letting him love us by abandonment, letting him love us by surrendering to him. And our other problems, our surface problems, are like opportunities to move to that lower level or that higher level, if you will, problem, our meta problem, which is a lack of trust in God. And once we see through those other problems, other things that happen to us as kind of opportunities or invitations to work on this bigger problem of radical trust in God, well, then the other problems start to clear up and we're more capable of handling them and Even God solves them quicker because he sees our trust. And we can start to experience what Jesus says. What you ask for in my name, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, made man, the child who's given up all of his power, given up all of his independence, given up all of his might to lay helpless and totally abandoned in the hands of his father, in the hands of his mother. Once you ask like that, with that attitude, well, then we'll get some, we'll get somewhere. But until then, that's the biggest problem, right? That's the problem of problems, is to learn how to trust God as Jesus trusts him on the cross, as Jesus trusts him also in the manger. Christmas is a time of great joy. We rejoice, Lord, because you're with us. Thank you for being here with us as a child, being so approachable, being so lovable. Help us to imitate you in this simplicity, in this humility, in this helplessness. Help us to experience the joy of having no one to turn to or no one else that we need but Our Lady and God. 
right? Our Lady, God the Father, and St. Joseph, we can throw him in there too for good measure. What a great joy to know that we're taken care of by God. What a great freedom to have absolutely no fear that anything bad is going to happen to us because God is watching over us, because God is our Father, because Mary is our mother, and because St. Joseph is our special patron and protector. What a great joy to know that we have the same allies and the same relationships with Mary, with St. Joseph, with God the Father, as our Lord does, as the Christ child does. So Jesus, we wish you a very happy birthday. We thank you for coming among us to redeem the world. And we ask you for this grace to help us to be pleasing to you, pleasing with our trust and pleasing with our prayer, pleasing with our humble service to you and to one another. Mary, our mother, mother of the Word incarnate, mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, Queen of Bethlehem, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.